What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Episode seven of the Roarcast. I'm Mike Kowalski, joined by Kyle Matrician and Megan Rojas once again. Hello, Michael. How are you today? Oh, just doing great. Just uh, excited to talk to a couple Canadians today. Canadians, eh? I don't know if I should have done that. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. Yeah. You went there. Did it. Are we keeping that? I don't know. We got Caprice Herchevec from the women's rowing team. Uh, She's from the, both of them are from the Toronto area, actually. Uh, She's a Barnard College student as well. So she will be able to give us some good insight into Barnard College. And then we also have Jack Lynn from the men's tennis team joining us. So should be a good episode. Meanwhile, Ro is uh, off screen here where nobody, well, you know, people listening can't see her, but messing with her Dennis Rodman hair. Ro, can you give us an update? Um, yeah, I'm just really inspired. I've been, I have a cutout of the Dennis Rodman 33, which I didn't know what it, <laughs> that was until this past you weekend in social yeah. media. Yeah. Um, obviously watching the Michael Jordan documentary and I have it cut out to put on Caitlin Davis, number four Colum- for Columbia women's basketball's head for tomorrow's social media post. Oh, that's incredible. So a sneak peek. Um, everybody will have seen it by the time this Everybody, airs. yeah, when this comes up, it will be a... <laughs> Everybody's going to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, that's all right. It's still fine. How's everybody enjoying The Last Dance? It's been pretty amazing. I have something something to admit. You haven't seen it. I haven't watched any of it yet. I'm going to. I'm going to. I just haven't done it yet. Shame. Shame. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So I have nothing to contribute here. I know it's amazing because so many people are talking about it. You have to keep up. I I mean, it's not hard to go back and watch them. I just haven't done it. I like to, I like, I'd rather just binge it. It's, Mm. it's a lot of binging. It's like, it's, I don't think. I like the way they're doing it. I was a little upset at first. Like I was hoping they could do it every every day, but two hours a week, like it does it for me. Like it's it's, it's perfect. Good to I spread think it's it out. Right. Yeah, it's really good. Um, the cool thing, I mean, obviously there was like this was Rodman week, and uh, you know Rodman's had like this is like the third thirty for thirty on Rodman. Like it's it's crazy. Like he's he's just a, such an interesting guy, and like the way he de- you see the way he like prepared for rebounding despite all the off the court stuff which is I heard, crazy yeah i heard the 30 for 30 for one for him was amazing it was really good it's so good and it's like they reenact a lot of stuff and i think it's not necessarily a 30 for 30 but okay. there's definitely like an espn short or like an e60 that chronicles the vegas trip oh like there's like a guy on the trip that like spoke to espn like they recounted his Got it. 48 hours with Rodman during it. And that was really good too. Um, but like from a basketball standpoint, like he's like, yeah, when Larry Bird shoots it, I got to be here. Like he just knew, like that's just incredible preparation. Like it's so underrated, like because with all the other stuff that was going on with him. But just, I mean, if you're not watching, I don't know what you're doing. Like um, <laughs> seriously. You know, I, I, I'm going to watch it. Okay. Everybody. Not just... necessarily talking to you, just talking to people in general. I mean, you're talking to me though. Cause you <laughs> said, if you're not watching and we've already clarified, <laughs> are you not doing? talking to yeah. you, but you know, you did <laughs> mention you weren't watching. You. <laughs> so you're in the group of what are you doing? Yeah. Big week for uh, my two co-hosts. We had a birthday and anniversary on Monday. So. Oh my God. I'm just going to wow. put it in the pod, make sure everybody knows and. You know, were you guys Thank aware you, of this uh, before this week? I know you guys been working. I don't think I was. Yeah, I did not realize that my anniversary was on, it's on Rose's birthday, right? 
Yes, your anniversary yeah. is on my birthday, correct? Did you did you know this um, and just never like, bring it up like, to me? Or? It's like you yeah. guys were meant to host a podcast together. Like it's it's, like, it's, it's destiny. Yeah. <laughs> I did know that because when you got married a few years ago, I think our staff sent you a present, maybe? You don't remember? Maybe we didn't. Oh God, this is a terrible story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, man. I'm sure. You, I'm just gonna end with. I'm sure he did. And I remember I being know. like sort of bitter about it because I was like, "No, oh, we're gonna send Kyle his anniversary or his like wedding present." And I was like, the whole time I was like, "It's also my birthday," but like, it's okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we didn't send you anything. I don't know. I I'm thought sure it was like a did. basketball like bottle opener. It was like the floor oh, of like something. Oh, it might. I. Listen, he took I it back. Can't, I did not take it. it. He I did not. It. I he regifted it like the bread maker. I don't. School. <laughs> it was like the floor of Madison Square Garden or something. Oh yes, yes. Now that you said that, yes, I do remember that now because I remember getting it in the mail. Yeah. And then being like, "Where did I like? Who sent me this?" And then I like. <laughs> And, and then, then I, I do remember returning it back to Amazon for money. <laughs> no, I did not do that. I did not do that. When was the last time you used it? I. That's why I hoping you weren't going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your wife? We need, we was, need her no, on right now. No, no, I don't. She might have the same look on her face that I, I think had like even the holder me. was like the net, like it was cut, the cut of a net. And it was like Madison I use it every it. day. I don't know what you're talking about. I use it I'm every just, day. I'm just picturing old school with Will Ferrell bringing the bread maker back to like <laughs> Luke Wilson's house. It's got three speeds, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kyle with the bottle opener. Yeah. Well, happy anniversary. Hey, thank you. Happy birthday, bro. How, I mean, what I, wanna, I, I mean, you're the youngest out of all of us, so I don't care if we throw your age out there. <laughs> I'm 26. 26. Wow. Yep. Congrats. I've got a nice little like uh, generational, like a small generational gap between the three of us, which I feel like helps. Yeah. You know what I mean? Keep us hip. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps it, you know, I guess you're I, young and hip. I have like to say that. Okay. Mike's, Mike's married with children. I'm married without children and you're single and ready to mingle. There it is. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> Add it to our bio. <laughs> I do want to bring up our poll that we had last week while oh, we're in the yeah. intro segment. And I want to bring up our poll results. So last week, our listeners may remember, we had a poll on social media. If you missed it, make sure you always check out our podcast. Uh, make sure you look, follow our social media channels, GoColumbiaLines.com. We don't yet have a Roarcast social media channel, but never say need, never. Just, you know, never just use the never. hashtag Roarcast. Hashtag Roarcast. And we'll yeah. see all the content and we don't need a page. Like we, we just no. need, we just need a hashtag on. My passion says maybe one day. I would love to be, um, yeah. <laughs> I would love to be trending on Twitter one day. Yeah. Hashtag, great. hashtag Roarcast. You know, For like a good reason. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I feel like if I opened Twitter and I saw Roarcast trending number one, when I woke up, <laughs> I would just, I, I would assume the worst. Anyway. We had a poll on Twitter on, we had it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram story last week uh, in our little passion versus science debate with Constantino Corey and Torrance Smith 
about everybody's personalities. And I think Tino said, you know, everybody, or Don Torrance said, everybody falls into like inevitably into one of two categories, passion or science. Like, do you do things, uh, you know, do you just do things uh, without really thinking about it too much? And it's just your passion that drives you and you don't think about all the scenarios or are you more of a science person and you think about like all the scenarios before you'll do anything. Uh, and we all talked, we talked about this and we had a really good re response in our social media poll. I think we had over 150 voters between the three different channels, the most being on the Instagram story. And I wanted to share those results with everybody. Uh, I couldn't get exact numbers for Facebook, so I'm just gonna give you percentages for each channel here. But on Instagram, where we had the majority of our voters, I think over 120 voters, it was 54% passion and 46% science, which is almost a dead 50-50 split. You said 100,000 100, votes? 100,000 votes, yes. 100,000 votes. 120,000 votes is really what I okay. said. Okay, and it's it was It's split. the same difference. It's almost, well, 54% passion, 46% science. Twitter was the wow. opposite. Twitter was the opposite, 56% science, 44% passion. And then on Facebook, it was more science and passion as well, 60-40. So that might be 10 votes. I mean, I have 10, a theory. That might only be 10,000 votes, but yeah. I have an immediate theory straight off the bat. The older generation is on Facebook. Yep. The middle generation is on Twitter. Yeah, that's younger funny. generation is on yeah, Instagram. On Instagram. So of yeah. course 100%. they all think that they have if passion. If we did yep. a TikTok poll, I think passion would be like 75-25. If TikTok <laughs> yes. allowed you to do a poll. All of TikTok yes. is passion posts. All of TikTok it's is only passion. passion. There's, no <laughs> There's no science in TikTok. You don't know. You're just giving and up you, all your you privacy. Know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's right. in China and Russia. <laughs> we thank everybody who voted in last week's poll online. Who knows? Maybe this week's podcast will result in another poll. We'll just have to see what follows with our two interviewees. But we're going to head to break. And when we come back, we're going to have our first guest on this week's podcast, Caprice Herjavec from the women's rowing team. JAG One Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities, allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The JAG-1 team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jag1pt.com. That's J-A-G. O-N-E-P-T dot com for more information. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions. Clean Eats Meal Prep are proud sponsors of the Columbia Lions. Clean Eats has a wide variety of meals, from the basics, low-carb, gluten-free, and even kids' options. The process is simple. Place your orders for the week, and Clean Eats delivers right to your doorstep. Nutrition, convenience, and results equal the Clean Eats experience. Visit www.cleaneatsmealprep.com to try us today. All right, welcome back to the Roarcast. Our first guest of the episode is with us, and it's Caprice Herjavec from Toronto, Canada. Uh, she is a Barnard College student. She is a senior coxswain on the women's rowing team who's getting set to graduate and has been talking to us a little before we came on here about her post-graduation plans. But Caprice, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you doing? How's everybody? How's your family? 
everyone's doing well. Um, I'm back in Toronto now and just kind of like waiting out this quarantine. I have my whole family back, which is really nice. So it's kind of like the best case scenario if I can't be at school. Uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up is it's unique because you're the first person we've had on our podcast from outside of the country. And later on in the episode, we're going to have Jacqueline from Men's Tennis, who's also from Canada. Uh, so can you give us a little insight into, you know, how is life in Toronto? How does it differ from maybe what you hear from your friends or your teammates uh, that are back in the States? Yeah, so definitely it's um, a lot different than what I'm hearing from New York. So when I first came back from New York, um, because I was traveling across the border, you actually have to not just like self-quarantine, but self-isolate for two weeks upon arrival. So that means you can't leave your house, you can't leave your property. So not even for like the essentials, like grocery shopping or a walk, um, which is like the most strict I've ever heard of it being. Everyone else I know you can like um, leave your house. Um, so that was, you know, kind of tough for the first two weeks, but we do have a treadmill downstairs. So that was my saving <laughs> grace. Um, and besides that, so the two week period has been over. Toronto has been pretty strict on our social distancing rules. Like when I went to the grocery store with my mom, and my sister, they actually didn't allow all of us in because you can only go in one or two people at a time. You're not allowed three people in from the same household. And I've seen these articles of when you go into the park, if you're within six feet of someone, the police can actually, and they do, they stop you and you have to show proof of residence that, um, so like your driver's license or something that you're actually from the same address if you're like within six feet of each other um, or at two meters, as we say it here in Canada. <laughs> um, but it, it was nice, actually. They had on um, the, they have like warnings before you go into a park and it says two meters, it says, or about like the length of a hockey stick, so. Oh, of course <laughs> it does. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so pretty strict, but also, um, that's really creating um, a good environment because we have had no hospital runs. We have enough capacity for everyone, enough ventilators. Um, so pretty good to be here with the free healthcare if anything were to go south. I love how a hockey stick is a universal yeah. measurement. Yeah. That is just, that is incredible. Um, I do want to talk about rowing a little bit with you. Um, it's interesting because many people may not know that you didn't start rowing until your senior year of high school or secondary school, or I don't know exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, you swam all four years in high school though. So I wanted to ask you, did you have any like thoughts about joining the swimming team when you came to Columbia? I, I thought about it. So um, had I gone to another school, I actually probably wouldn't have rowed. I would have ran or swam. Um, but the, it being D1, like I just was not good enough to swim. Um, I'm also pretty short. Um, so just a lot of the different athletic teams here, like it's just tough being really short. Um, definitely doable. I know a lot of short athletes, but it's a big reason why coxing just worked out so well for me. How did you, how did you wind up with the rowing program? Was it like an open trial? Did you know somebody on the team or how did that work? So in grade 12, I had a friend say to me, like, I know you want to pursue athletics in college. And if you can't swim or run, like just pick up rowing. Um, and it's one of those sports that you can start really late. So I picked it up like halfway through my senior year. And then I emailed the coaches at Columbia and I said, Hey, like I've been admitted to Barnard and I really want to join the rowing team. I sent them my scores and they were like, great. Like once you come here, you can walk on, like we have a spot for you basically, like you'll be fine. 
Um, so it really was a really easy process because I was already in. I think it's interesting. I think it's cool. I mean, uh, that you joined the rowing team when you came, you know, to Columbia, you're just like looking to stay active, looking to participate in a sport yeah. and rowing was an option for you. And not only that, but you left college with some hardware, uh, from your sophomore year. You were the cock, you were the coxswain in the uh, one of the V4s, the V4C, and you guys won the silver medal at the Ivy League Championships in your event. I mean, how cool was that? Yeah, that was really exciting. Um, I think it was like one of the only medals that year, um, so it was really exciting just to be part of that. Um, and you know, I never imagined going into college, I would like walk away with like an Ivy League medal. So. Um, it's really nice in rowing in the spring that like you get really close with your boat because um, throughout the entire year you're training, but it's only in the spring that you get placed in the boat that you're going to be competing in. Um, so it was definitely nice for all four or five of us to um, get to do that together and experience that. Now we had rowing on last week's episode, but we didn't have any coxswains on last week's episode. So can you kind of give everybody a little delve into the mind and life of a coxswain on a rowing team? Yeah, so a lot of people don't even really know what a coxswain does. Everyone just knows me as like the little person who sits there and is bossy, um, which is, <laughs> there's definitely some truth in that. Um, but basically, I am in charge of like running the boat, steering the boat, and making all the different race calls and race plans. Um, so we work really close with the coaches because when you're out on the water um, at a race, like the coaches aren't going to be there. Like you are basically the coach for that boat in the time. Um, it's definitely a different type of, you know, anxiety going to the starting line. I've had a lot of experience racing. Um, and I actually, I did row my freshman year of college here. So I kind of had the experience of rowing and coxing on a team, which like I have not really heard of like anyone else doing both. Um, and it's, it's just a whole different ball game. Like when I'm going to the line, like I got to make sure that I know our race plan. I am ready to like change the race plan at any time like I remember one race like we saw this one boat making a move before everyone kind of makes their moves and so you have to be really reactive and you have to make calls and strategy calls for the boat like right in the moment um so it's definitely just a different type of anxiety going to the line but it's um really rewarding and really nice I've really enjoyed it um and it's really good platform to learn kind of like leadership skills um and also just quick decision making because when you're a rower and you go to the line like at least for me like I zoned out like I just listened to my coxswain and I just like it was just like pain when you're like going through a race um, <laughs> so it's a whole different perspective but being a coxswain on the team is really nice also because there's only four of us um, so you know you get really close with um, the like pod of coxswains. I wanted to go back for one second though yeah. something else because as a coxswain you have the opportunity to actually compete with any of the three rowing programs here. So um, yeah. did you, was it a general email when you reached out to the coaches to all of them or is it, were you specifically looking to join the women's team? So I had a really unique um, kind of journey into like college rowing because I actually applied, not applied, like I reached out to the coaches on the women's team to row. I didn't reach out to Cox. Okay. 
Um, so I rode for the first year and then my coaches were kind of like, have you ever thought about coxing? You could be a really good coxswain, you're small, you know the sport, you, know, you have the perspective of a rower. And so because it was the woman's coaches who asked me about coxing, I just naturally like cox for gotcha. the women's team. Um, I definitely could have gone to like the lightweights or the heavyweights. And I know that the men's teams like don't have that many coxswains usually. So there definitely would have been like a decision I could have made. Um, but, you know, the women's team felt like my home at that point. And so I really wanted to like help the women's team succeed and be a coxswain here. Great. Talk about your decision, because like I mentioned before, you're a Barnard College student. So, you know, I think that's confusing for some people that don't know the dynamic, the consortium between the athletic departments between Barnard College and Columbia University and how Barnard fits into that. So can you kind of just walk everybody through that, you know, applying to Barnard College and the relationship there? Yeah, so Columbia has four different undergraduate schools, which I didn't even know when I was applying. So you have Columbia College, the School of Engineering, Barnard College, and the School of General Studies. And so Barnard is just kind of like one of those four that falls under the Columbia umbrella. It's like a financially independent institution. And um, students at Barnard can take, like it's complete open cross-registration. So half my courses are at Columbia, half my courses at Barnard. Sometimes I've had um, semesters actually where I've had no courses at Barnard and just courses at Columbia. Um, so it's completely really fluid that way, but what's really unique is the, as you said, like the um, athletics relationship, because I applied to Barnard specifically, um, but as I said, I was reaching out to the Columbia coaches, because Barnard doesn't have any specifically Barnard athletics teams. All Barnard athletes compete on Columbia athletic teams, so I compete for Columbia. I have all like, you know, Columbia gear. We all compete together, and it's just one team between all the colleges, no matter what college you go to. So definitely unique, but definitely a really cool experience having kids on my team. Like we actually have a very heavy Barnard population team, which I think we have the most um, Barnard athletes out of any team. I think um, you do. I think it's pretty accurate, yeah. Yeah, between yeah. rowing and fencing, I probably have mm -hmm. the most. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's really cool having students from all across. We've had GS students too. We've had, I mean, we obviously have a lot of engineering students also, but um, it makes for a unique experience for sure. Can you just walk us through the Barnard experience in that community and how supportive they've been through your four years? Yeah, so being at Barnard is such a unique experience. There is a small community inside of a large community and Barnard does so much for its student athletes. Like they recognize us, they write articles about us. And I just, I would not have gotten that amount of support um, I think at any of the other schools, like everyone, every school has a very unique thing that they do, but I think Barnard's is so special. Like every year we're invited to the president's house and they have like a ceremony honoring us. So I just feel like they've made me feel so special for being a student athlete at this school. Um, and I think it's just the nature of having um, a smaller community to do that for. It's just like really nice to be recognized. You know, you go through college and it's really a lot of colleges thankless because no one's going to take the time, you know, to just like look at your achievements. But Barnard has never made me feel that way. They have just been like on the sidelines, um, supporting me, writing about me, taking photos when I go to my events. So it's been really amazing to be a Barnard student athlete. What, what drew you to Barnard? If you, you said you directly applied to, to that, to that portion of Columbia. So what, yeah. what, what, what was the selling points for you? 
the selling point for me is I think from like ever since I was little, I'd heard about Columbia and, you know, you know about Columbia because it's a very large school, large institution. Um, and when I came to visit, like I fell in love with the campus. The only thing that I didn't necessarily love was the core curriculum because it's definitely like a selling point of Columbia College and something that's very, very strong. I think the core is more courses than majors at other schools. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do after college when I was coming in. Like I knew I wanted to apply to law school. Um, so I just wasn't interested in not having a lot of flexibility with my schedule. And what Barnard allows is we still have a core, but you actually get to pick and choose how you're gonna fulfill the core. So for your science requirement, you can take any science class, like a, from a, like a long list. But um, um, at our counterpart at Columbia College, like you need to take this science course and this one. And so I just wanted more flexibility. So obviously the end of this year was not how most seniors planned it to go. Um, and we talked to some rowers last week and they thought very fondly of their time at Columbia and, and being a rower. Is there anything like you'd like to say to wrap up your experience here? Yeah, I think rowing was one of the sports hit the hardest with, you know, like going home and having our seasons canceled because unlike a lot of other sports we actually like we don't have an off season like we train in the fall we train in the winter and we train in the spring and we train all year long for the spring semester like everything we do is for this season um so it's definitely difficult to you know like have like all your work um you know i mean nothing's negated like you know it's always great to get stronger and like come back for the next season um but it definitely was hard as seniors because you just, we didn't know the last time we were going to the line was going to be the last time. Um, and specifically for rowing, we have all these like events we do for the seniors. We do senior speeches, we do a senior banquet, and we do um, kind of like at one of the, the regattas, we like present the seniors with flowers and stuff. And so there's this whole kind of tradition to send off the seniors that we didn't necessarily get. Um, but looking back at my three years, like I'm just or 3.75 years if we did have a season. <laughs> I am just like very grateful for my teammates for the sport like my college experience would have not been the same had I not been on the rowing team and just kind of um, traveling with my team doing everything with my team it's been it's been really nice so I'm definitely grateful for that and just like in debt to Columbia Women's Rowing. I feel like very like a limited amount of people coming in from high school to college know exactly what they want to do post-college is there a reason you want to be a lawyer or go to law school that's like pretty cool that you know going in that's your goal yeah so I feel like I should definitely have a better answer for this seeming as I've been wanting to do it for so long but when I was in grade nine I took a summer course actually at Columbia um, and it introduced me to trial advocacy which is just a fancy way of saying like how are you going to advocate in a courtroom um, so definitely all about litigation and it was really interesting to me I learned um, all about that and it was my goal for a very long time to be the district attorney of Manhattan you cannot be a district attorney if you are not American I'm pretty sure so that dream was crushed but that's okay because I can come back to Toronto and we have <laughs> we can pivot we can pivot <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we have the exact same thing. It's just called the crown attorney. And so for a very long time, like I, one of my strengths is like reading and writing. And so I wanted to, um, like help like put away, um, you know, the bad guys kind of, um, and I wanted to like be able to do that 
ever since coming to Columbia, you know, that's shifted a little bit. I, just being in New York, I was really interested in um, and exposed to corporate law, um, just like being surrounded by business, you know, and econ majors and not that you need to be any specific major to go to law school, but we're definitely like a finance heavy institution. Like a lot of my friends want to go into those um, types of fields. So I think it's just the combination of like where my strengths lie and just my interest in advocacy and the law and how I can like use all of that to like make a difference, whether it's in the corporate world or in um, the criminal sphere. Awesome. While, we're, while we're on the topic, why don't you talk about your post-graduation plans uh, involving law? Yeah, so I am currently studying for my LSAT, so everyone send me good luck. So <laughs> that is a huge feat, um, but I'm slated to take it in July. The LSAT has gone online due to coronavirus, so I don't know if that's going like, to be a good thing or a bad thing as of now, but it's going to be a thing and I'm going to do it. Um, so in the meantime, because the application cycles every September for law school, um, I have gotten a job in New York. I'm very excited. I accepted my offer like last nice. August. So it's been a long time coming and Congrats. thank you. I really wanted to try out, um, consulting again, another huge thing that people go into in New York. And so, um, kind of nearing two or sorry, marrying two different things that I like. I'm going to be doing financial consulting in New York for a year before I apply to law school. Great. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, really. Congrats. I mean, cool. I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a, a lot of seniors that we've talked to on these, on whether it be the Roarcast or whether it was the basketball podcast row, Mike, mm -hmm. that uh, knew exactly what they wanted to do. Like Janiah already had a job yeah. offer at the beginning of this year. Right. Uh, to work, what was it? Ch Citibank? City Citibank. Citibank. Yeah. Don't get that wrong, Kyle. I know. I almost <laughs> did. Um, but yeah, congratulations, Caprice. Um, wish you the best of luck on the LSAT. Uh, before we let you go, we like to ask everybody some, you know, more personality fun questions when they come on this podcast. So I'll uh, get to know you a little bit. And I think one of the big topics lately is like, what are you watching on Netflix, Hulu, whatever your streaming service is? What are you binging? What shows are you watching? Maybe you're not. I don't know. But, maybe she's uh, studying, Kyle. Maybe she's <laughs> studying. I know. That's why. That's what I like thought about midway through my question. Uh, but so what do you got going on there? Okay, so it's definitely not as exciting as someone who isn't studying for a standardized test. But <laughs> I um, did watch um, all of Tiger King in one night. Oh. I started at like yes. 6 a.m. and yes. I went till 4 a.m. I watched the entire thing. Wow, that um, is incredible. And it's actually crazy. So I watched it when I was in Miami. And there's this place called Jungle Island, which is kind of like a zoo type thing but it's more interactive they don't have like crazy crazy animals um and when i was little before i knew like i mean i guess like like zoos aren't the best thing in the world um but when i was little like you don't really know any of that so you go and you're just excited to see the animals and they brought in like the tigers from doc antles um which is one oh. of the tiger king and they like brought them in and like it's florida so you know they do some crazy stuff and like i like have photos of me when i was little with all those tiger cubs Obviously, I didn't know it was problematic at the time, but, and, like, now I watch this, and I'm, like, my eyes are open to, like, all this crazy world. So, it was, like, really wild to watch that and know that, like, I had, like, seen those cubs, but, you yeah. You have the inside scoop on Tiger King. Really, though? Yeah. I know. Now she's got to hide those photos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's official now. I thought we might be we're gonna go a whole episode without mentioning Tiger King, but uh, no. we did didn't not. happen. We didn't, didn't happen. It's here to no. stay for a while. It is. I know. Seven episodes. We're seven for seven. This is the seventh seven, episode. Seven <laughs> episode. We are uh, adding we, a thousand. We are. We are. We'll have to see. Have to see about next week. I might need to rewatch it so I'm like fresh. I don't, I don't know if I can. I know. I, 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 like I really I, don't think I, I can either. I feel like if there's got to be a new show. Is there like a new show on right now that people are starting to get behind? Or I've heard a lot of people love the show Succession. Yeah, that's um, on HBO. It's a great show. Yeah, I, I haven't tried it. Yeah. I, I don't. I have like a very addictive personality. Like if I start a show, I will watch it all. So I yeah, don't even want to like open that Pandora's box. I just want to keep it closed and not watch any shows. You've let us know that. This is totally yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Seven straight episodes of Tiger King. I mean, we we did it. My wife and I did it. Uh, I think it was only one episode at a time until the very until the last two episodes because we watched like the the second to last episode and we were like, well, we have to watch the last one now. So. Yeah. What is the one thing you're going to miss the most just in general from the team and the competing? The thing I'm going to miss the most is just um, like being around my friends like 24 seven, you know, you live in the dorms with your teammates, you go to practice every morning with your teammates, you go to class with your teammates, you hang out with your teammates, you eat with your teammates, like you do. And even just like outside of route, like you do this with all your friends. And I think it's going to be a really big transition going into working life and just not being surrounded by like your friends 24 seven because it's all just the time I'm not used to. Yeah. And something that I love. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely an extrovert if that wasn't clear. <laughs> <laughs> Are you as into fitness and like, um, like our podcast last week, the, uh, men's rowers, I almost call them players. And I know that they're not, <laughs> um, they were just very into like fitness and I know you guys have like your own weight room and stuff in the bath of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you are really into as well? Or now that yeah. you're done, you're like, I'm done. No, so it's definitely as a coxswain, like I don't do the work. I don't do all the workouts with the rowers because, um, you know, we want to stay small. We don't want to like gain a bunch of muscle because like mm-hmm. the rowers are carrying our weight. Um, and there's like a weight aspect to it, but I, so not every coxswain like, you know, does, some of the workouts with them but I having been a rower like I'm just like very active so to stay active in quarantine and like post-grad I'm training for the New York Marathon oh, um, nice. so I've been doing a lot of running it's supposed to be in November but you know yeah. who knows if it's going to be canceled or not um but yeah I've always been a huge runner so running has been something that I do like every day in quarantine to try to keep my sanity um definitely something that's like really important to me and I'll definitely keep fit um post-grad like the um field that I'm going into is like it's not short hours like you're working really long hours and so I think like to have a break during the day and to use that break to be active will just like help my mental um state will help like my physical state just like being active like has no drawbacks on your life have you run in any other any other like events or marathons um I haven't I haven't done a marathon before so that's like the one thing that I'm like (laughs) little bit nervous about like just a lot of miles yeah uh, long time of running but I have ran half marathons before so I've never done like a fun one I've done like the Toronto one which is super cool and on the waterfront but I want to like do the New York one or do like pick a really cool location and go like on a vacation and do one of those ones so we'll see when everything opens up that'll be on the top of my list 
What's the uh, farthest you've run, Caprice? Like the farthest? At once. Yeah. At one, well, besides like in a race, like doing a half marathon. The other week I ran 15K. So I think a half marathon is like 22K or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I definitely have to ramp up my volume, but I do have a friend in Toronto, actually an alum um, from Columbia Lightweight Rowing, and who is a huge runner. And so we'll see if we can like run six feet apart because when we yeah. like when we <laughs> run with each other, like we have slated this weekend, like a 17 kilometer run. So it's definitely like, it'll go by a lot faster. Yeah. Right? Just uh, bring a hockey stick with you and you can each hold it in one end of the hockey <laughs> stick and then you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll know. Exactly. I'm going to show my team science. All right, Caprice. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and joining us on our podcast. Uh, it was really interesting getting somebody's perspective, like I said, outside of the country and a Barnard College student nonetheless. So we really appreciate the time and we hope everybody in your family is uh, staying safe and being healthy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we're going to head to break. And when we come back, we're going to have Jack Lynn from the men's tennis team join us. Make a brilliant move to Vanderwater, luxury condominium residences in Morningside Heists. Discover an elevated approach to city living, a modern homage to old world elegance, breathtaking views of the Hudson River, Columbia University, and Riverside Church. Visit thevandewater.com today for more information. That's T-H-E-V-A-N-D-E-W-A-T-E-R.com. At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy great tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order. Welcome back. We're now joined by Jack Lynn, junior on the men's tennis team. Jack, uh, thanks so much for taking some time today. Uh, th thank you guys for, for having me. Appreciate it. So we're recording this a day removed from being named uh, All-American with your doubles partner, uh, Jackie Tang. So talk about, you know, your guys' season. I know it was cut a little bit short, but uh, what, what that honor means to you. Yeah, um, it, it felt, you know, being named All-American um, on doubles was, was a great feeling. And it's also the first time um, that I was um, named All-American doubles. Um, I, was, I was named All-American singles last year. Um, didn't get to to play it in the NCAA tournament this year, obviously, but um, it, it felt you know felt 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 um, felt really honored um, to be to be named uh, American, and it's it's such a difficult achievement, you know, um, to accomplish uh, as 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 any given tennis player in, in college, and uh, being able to do it with uh, a buddy of mine and uh, and Jackie Tang, and it, it felt really felt really um, felt really great. Talk a little bit about, you know, your, your team's success. Obviously, you guys are running a not, – it's not a mini dynasty. It's a full-blown full blown dynasty. I mean, you're putting, like, the Chicago Bulls to shame here. We were just talking about the last dance before you came on. Um, what is it about your culture and your team that's allowed you to be so successful? I think, uh, you know, we're a group of guys who, who strive towards the same goal, and the goal is to um, achieve something bigger. Um, than you know, just an individual um, 
Uh, sorry, uh, let me just repeat that. I yeah, guess yeah. the goal, um, yeah, uh, we, you know, our, our goal is to um, achieve something that's, you know, beyond ourselves. And um, obviously, we think more about the team success more than an individual success. So in the sense that, you know, we're selfless um, and we always put the team ahead um, of our individuals, um, our individual goals or, or whatnot. That's why, you know, being, being named All-American is great, but um, all our guys work really hard and we keep, keep each other accountable um, every day. And uh, we just try to, you know, work hard every single day um, and, and be as disciplined as, as we can. It's the only thing that we can control. Um, and then the results just, you know, happen to come <laughs> over, over the, the course of a few months and over the course of the year. And uh, uh, I think, what stands out um, from my three years of experience is that we always we always start very early. We we try to we try to work um, just as hard in September um, compared to you know in April before before Ivy season. So um, it's about building building a habit of of, of being disciplined. And uh, I think I think all all the guys um, have done have done a really good job and. And the coaches have, have really looked after us as well. Speaking of your coaches, talk about your former coach who was at Columbia for 30 plus years. Uh, coach Bidbuswami, he just retired at the end of last season. I mean, how much of an impact uh, did he have on you, like in the recruiting process in your first couple of years at Columbia? And like, how thankful are you to have like, you know, played for him for a few years before he retired? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Bid was, you know, was always was always um, regarded as more of like a father figure for for all of us. Um, I remember um, he made an impact on me the first the first the first time I met him. Um, and uh, you know, speaking speak speaking to him and speaking to a lot of guys who had played for him, they they've all said the same thing about Bit, who who who's um, not just not just a coach, but he's he's really you know, a father figure who, who looks after us, not just on the tennis court, but, you know, make sure that, that we're staying on track with our life and that makes sure, make sure that we're doing okay. Um, and, um, you know, that really made a difference for me um, when I was looking at, at uh, Columbia. Um, one um, person that I was talking to a lot before coming into Columbia was uh, Winston, Winston Lin. And I uh, you know, he, he obviously um, set the path for, for, you know, for, for our younger generation, I'd say. Um, but I remember him talking about both um, Coach Bin and, and Coach Howie, um, how supportive they always are of their players, regardless of, you know, whether, uh, whether they're playing in the lineup or not. And I thought that was, um, that was really the key difference. Uh, to me when I was looking in the schools and after um, coming in and playing for him, um, I cannot say that it's, you know, it, it was, it was more than I could have imagined. I, I'd say to put it that way. And um, just, you know, being able to play for him, it was such, you know, such an honor, I, I think, because um, being, you know, part of, you know, this 37 um, coaching uh, experience, uh, coaching uh, career at Columbia was, was uh, something that, that 
I couldn't really imagine from the start being being part of that group. But um, I, I, I honestly feel super, super privileged to have that experience. You guys probably not missing much of a beat with Coach Endelman, Howie Endelman taking over his longtime assistant. And what's it been like uh, learning from him and him sliding over to that sliding over one chair, as they say, this year? <laughs> um, I'd say I'd say he's done a, a, a really good job. Um, I mean, they coach Ben and coach Howie, they have two different um, personalities, um, which was why they they had such a good balance and um had a good, you know, duel going on there for, for, for quite, quite a bit of time. Um, but, you know, after, after Howie um, took over, um, he, he, he made sure, you know, that, uh, you know, well, he made sure that the culture, you know, stayed the same and uh, obviously pushed us to, to strive for something more than what we've accomplished the first um, two, well, first few years, I guess, uh, even, you know, beyond my time. Um, but um, having him, him, you know, they're, 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 he's such a, he's such a great mentor for, for all of us because he has experience both on the tennis court and outside um, of the tennis court. And he being, being an alum and being a, a really good player himself um, back in the day, he, he also went through the, the process. So he knew exactly what we were dealing with and, it was it was good to to have him um, as supportive as, as Bid was um, uh, this year. Just got done talking to Caprice, and who's also in Canada and everything like that. And she, he she talked about the restrictions when she first got back into the country. Did you have similar you know self isolation um, for for fourteen days, kind of like she was describing? What was your experience like when you got home? Yeah, uh, I I just. Uh, you know, I, I came home um, and I was, I, I didn't want to, to, to spread, uh, obviously if I had anything, uh, I didn't want to spread it. Um, and I was, you know, being, be, being in New York and, and flying through the New York airport, uh, I was very cautious um, of uh, just having any contact with, with people in general. But um, just to be safe, I, I also... Uh, I was in I was in self isolation self quarantine for uh, 14 days before I even went out. Once you got back, I mean, you've obviously been back home for a little while now. Um, so, what do you? I mean, obviously, you go outside and you try and do things. So, like, what do you find yourself doing, even though you still have to stay within like social distancing? Yeah, uh, it's a little, little tricky here in uh, in Toronto, I'd say, or even Canada. We're pretty strict with uh, social distance and. Uh, you know, I try to go out every, um, every time that it's nice out, you know, because when, when I initially got back, it was, uh, it was still too cold and, uh, it was still snowing, <laughs> um, some days here and there. And so I couldn't really do much. And then, you know, I think it was about last week or so it started to get a little warmer. And so I, I, I try to go out whenever I could. And then, um, you know, I just go for, for jogs, um, or walks or whatever just try to get some fresh air outside and sometimes I go um I couldn't help myself I go I go near uh, I go I go find a place where there's like a wall and I find myself just you know practicing against the wall a little bit <laughs> um just hitting against it uh there's really nothing much um I can do but you know 
at least at least it keeps me um a little bit in shape <laughs> yeah we were talking to Caprice earlier and she mentioned that uh, at the parks, uh, you know, they have like the signs that say like, you know, stay two meters apart because, you know, in Canada, the unit of measurement. And she said, and then she said, uh, she brought up something pretty funny. She said at the bottom of the sign, it says, or about the distance of a hockey stick. So have you seen any of those signs out? I have, uh, I have not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a good way to look at it. It's good. It's, it's a little you know, good inside joke, I'd say. <laughs> um, but, but uh, um, like, we, even on the sidewalks, though, like, we, we have a lot of, um, like, especially near, near the, the school, like, they, even though the schools are all closed, like, they draw out, you know, like, footprints, you know, of, like, about six feet or two meters apart, and they show you, like, how far you're supposed to be apart from, like, wow. the next person in the area, um all the grocery stores are like that too as well um so like we have been doing a pretty good job um with with that the cases haven't quite slowed down but i also think that's because um more people are getting tested so sense. yeah talk about a little bit uh when the team found out that you guys you know found out that the season was over i mean you guys were having a you guys are having a pretty good year like you always do. Like it seems to be every single year, but you're getting ready to, uh, you're getting ready to go down to Texas to play, uh, you know, UT Texas, who's uh, ranked, was ranked fourth in the country at the time. And, you know, kind of a big, like probably the the highest ranked team on the remainder of your schedule this year. So just kind of walk everybody through that process of the team finding out, uh, you know, that you guys weren't going to be, that the season was canceled. Yeah, I think uh, we were we were all really looking forward to uh, going to our spring break um, trip to Texas. Uh, we do it every year, um, and I just remember having you know having little chatters before um, before it was canceled. I think it was it might have been a day or two before that, and you know everybody was 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 talking about whether we were going to have the trip. And I think the decision was that we were initially going to Texas. And so I, it was a nice day on, on, on the Wednesday, I believe. And um, we went outside to, to practice and uh, everybody was giving their all just like, just like the usual and everybody was having fun. And I remember um, how he uh, called us in and uh, told us about, Told, 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 told us about our, our season and everybody was just just super shocked and disappointed after and uh especially especially for, for for the seniors who who really couldn't finish their careers out the right way and um yeah it, it, we were all just really distraught and super unfortunate um yeah it was <laughs> So with your doubles partner, are you guys like best friends? How does that work? Do you do everything together? Do you like have to learn <laughs> each other's like next move in life aside from on the court? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, when we're in school together, we, yeah, we hang out a lot. I mean, he's also a year above me. We have slightly different schedules. Um, okay. You know, he's, he's got, I, I'd say he's got like the chill senior life whatever um but uh whenever you know like whenever we're on we're on the court we we practice a lot together we try to 
know, we eat at, we eat out sometimes together, um, just have casual talks with each other. Um, I mean, he's just pretty close friend of mine. I actually knew him for for a while now um, because um, before he started his career uh, at Columbia, I played uh, doubles with him in oh. in, 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 a, in a ITF tournament in Canada, which he came for. It was just before the juniors of uh, the juniors US Open, so. Uh, I also roomed with him in, in uh, the Junior Jewish Open. So, like, we kind of got to know each other a little bit mm-hmm. um, before both of us got into school. And so after that, you know, it was just, you know, we, we have a lot in common. So, and so we hang out a lot. And, yeah, we're, we're pretty good buddies. On the court, what makes you guys such a good tandem? Like, what are, you, what are your, for people that don't, might not know, what are your strengths compared to his? And how does that work for you guys to make you guys successful? Uh, I think, I think what we what we do really well is uh, we're able to communicate uh, really well. Um, you know, uh, doubles is such a it's it, it's such a, you know a short and fast game. Uh, and a lot can go on, and if I feel like if you don't talk to um, your partner a lot, then it's not really about you know doubles anymore. It's, it feels more like team singles, and you're just playing singles out there with two people. And uh, one, one of the things that we, we, we do really well is we, we talk over after, um, after, every, after every changeover, or even sometimes in, in between uh, games. And then we try to make adjustments so that we can, um, you know, approach our, our opponents a little differently. Um, and obviously that, that depends on whether something is working or, or not. But I think we, we do that really, really well together. And uh, since we get along really well together, nothing is ever personal. <laughs> you know, we're, we're both, um, we're both, you know, open-minded and try new things. And we're both, I think, we're both skillful enough to, to, to try different things without, um, without uh, I think, without underplaying ourselves to our strength. Um, and so I think that's what set us apart um, in, in the past, I'd say even you, the past year and two even. Um. Jack, I want to bring up a little fun fact about you that some people may not know. Uh, your sophomore year, you won the college wildcard invitational to earn your, to earn a spot in the New York open. Uh, so I, huh? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so can you talk about that a little bit and just uh, throw back to your sophomore year? You were sophomore, correct? It was the fall of, yeah, fall of 18. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about like the, the winning the college wildcard invitational and like getting a chance to compete in the New York open. Like what was that experience like for you? Well, uh, yeah, it was, uh, winning the wildcard event was, was something that I really want to, to achieve because, excuse me. Um, I've never played in the, in a, in an ATP, you know, 250 main draw is a professional event ever. Uh, and I thought, you know, this, you know, here it is, the wild card tournament, tremendous opportunity for a college tennis player to, to see what it's like um, to play on the professional tour against, you know, professional players who play full time. And I just remember, you know, I left everything out there when I was 
uh, playing in, in the in the wild card event, and uh, I was able to squeak by my opponent in the final, and it was, it was such a huge relief. And then after that, it was just about really just enjoying the experience um, and being able to play um, in 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 the, in the Coliseum with with you know that, uh, I think it was hundreds or a thousand people watching. That's like pre that's pretty that's a pretty memorable experience. Um, and, you know, in the moment I was just, it was, I was relatively relaxed and just having my teammates out there. And then my, my, my coaches and my, my, I remember my mom also came and it was, it was, it was really enough to remember, even though I, I didn't uh, win the match. So did that give you to just qualifying for that? Did that really help your confidence move into the spring and, kind of helping you to reach the sweet 16 of the single the NCAA singles tournament last year? Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, I was, I remember I was playing, I was playing really well and I, I felt like I was improving um, a little bit um, every single day leading up to the wild card event. And uh, I thought I, I played uh, some really good tennis over the, the weekend of the wild card event and then it helped set the tone for, um, for for my for for, for my training in Chris like in, in Christmas, and then also for January when I came back, and then and then um, I remember I think I only lost one match I think from September through all of December uh, my sophomore year, and so having that built towards January gave me a lot of confidence. And then when I came back, uh, I remember I was also having a pretty good run. And uh, I was playing pretty good tennis leading up to <laughs> the New York Open as well. Um, so I was, I, was not, I was not upset the fact that I lost. I, I think I, I, was, I, was playing, I, was playing, I was playing good. And, and I think the opponent was, was you know, just a little too good that day. <laughs> <laughs> Who are some players that you – grew up watching and try to kind of emulate in your, with your style? Oof. Uh, I watch quite a bit of tennis. Um, it's hard to choose. I, I always like to, yeah, I always like uh, Rafa Nadal um, because actually, well, growing up, I was watching him and Roger Federer go at it <laughs> pretty much every single uh, final. They would always be playing against each other. And uh, I was always, uh, Rafa fan because he was so tough mentally and he has such a such a unique game in the sense that he can just run down everything and and hit these unbelievable shots from from very very difficult positions and uh not not that I try to emulate that because I feel like that's for me that's you know that's not really who I am it's 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 tough to replicate that um but uh you know I, I try to I remember I try to um try to be, you know, as mentally as tough as, as Rafa when I was a little kid. And even, even now I try to stay as disciplined as him. And over the years, I started to appreciate, you know, Roger Federer a lot more <laughs> because of uh, the longevity and how long he's, a he's able to sustain his success and to um, find ways to modify his game so that he can play um, to such a, such an old age it's really unheard of in tennis and uh so you know between both of them i i try to learn the positives from from from, from them and 
just try to try to build on my own game <laughs> after that. Do you steal any style from them? Like, you know how they all have the sweatbands and the cool little, like, armbands? Is there anything that you have, like the flair? Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, you know, when I was, when I was younger, I, I, thought, I thought maybe one day I'll wear a bandana, you know. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> but but I, I've, never, I've never worn one, really. Um, because, you know, every time I put it on, like, it doesn't, it doesn't look right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, sometimes I wear hats, but, you know, they don't really wear hats, you know. No. Um, what color bandana? Really... What color bandana are we going with, Jack? What color bandana? Um... Does it got to match school colors, though? Like, doesn't. I don't know. If you're, if you're, just, if you're just out there in Toronto, <laughs> somebody walks up to you, says, you know, let's go. What kind of bandana are you putting on? Let's go. <laughs> you, sir. To the court. To the court. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it depends on the season, you know? Or, or like, you know, surface maybe. Like, if it's, if it's grass, definitely white, you know? But if it's, like, you know, a summer day, I feel like, like a lighter color, maybe, like, orange or, like, pink. Pink, I, I, I like pink. Uh, nice. I'm green. Anything, you know, that, like, you know causes a lot of tension and like a lot of reflection as well a little so, gamesmanship like, in the bandana wearing or no <laughs> <laughs> all right jack well we really appreciate you coming on uh we hope you're staying safe out there in the toronto suburbs you and your family are doing well and we look forward to hopefully seeing you back on the tennis courts next year hopefully winning another ivy league championship with the lions Go. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you guys. For you guys me. are going next year. You're going for eight in a row. Is that right, Jack? Seven. Uh, still seven. Still seven. Still seven. But yeah, yeah. Painted seven. <laughs> seven and a half. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Once again, Jack. Thanks for taking some time. We'll be back uh, next Monday with a brand new episode. As usual, you can catch us uh, anywhere you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Stitcher, and there's also a landing page on GoColumbiaLines.com slash podcast, so you can catch up uh, with all of our archive uh, interviews with all of our student-athletes. Uh, I mean, Mike, <laughs> I wasn't actually going to interrupt, but I actually do have a question. Oh, wow. oh, just thought of something. Oh, I was going to let it go because it got really deep segment. into your wrap-up, no, and I didn't realize late, we were wrapping up, but here we are. Late, late segment, here we are. It's going to throw people <laughs> off. When they you and they're like hearing us wrap up the podcast, they're gonna like, think it's not coming. Why it's is perfect. Still got, why is it still got five and a half minutes left? I don't understand. <laughs> they're gonna be like, um, what do they do at the it end must here? be an ad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jack, so my question for you in this segment of when I just realized of a question as someone else wraps up. The segment is, is you... Ro just thought of something. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> do you ever play on those Riverside courts and just hustle people? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I usually don't uh, practice there or go by there. Um, it's quite, it's quite far to walk. Um, I feel that. Yeah, and um, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't really hustle people. <laughs> Good answer. Good I answer. Jack, this is what we're gonna do next spring. I'll go down there with you. We can just kind of like. Beat up on yeah. some old guys. That think <laughs> well, really what, you, well, what you got to do is you guys go down together, and then you know you you just hit the ball back and forth, and you have mm -hmm. Jack just kind of like 
fall over himself a few times. Right. Uh, like, you know, mess up a backhand, like Set the straight scene. into the net. Yeah. You know? And then you're like, oh, do you guys want to play? And they don't even know what they got into. Yeah, it's actually, usually I, I also don't go down there. Uh, I know some of my teammates go sometimes. Um, I think over the summers they go, but um, I, I, I don't go because I think you need like a permit to play there and I don't have the permit. <laughs> and so like, if I go and with the intention of, you know, playing. Hustling, yeah. hustling. Or, or hustling, <laughs> right? Or, you know, uh, I'll get busted quickly, so. <laughs> Good answer. That's an all-American answer. Exactly what we wanted to hear. I was just testing you. We were. That's really what we were doing. Before we lose Jack's eligibility, I think we'll we'll sign off here. He does have another year left, guys. (laughs) For real this time, that's all the time we have. It's been great to catch up with you, Jack. Uh, Stay well. Stay safe. Once again, we we wrap this up. You know where to find us. Uh, Keep listening. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me.